Hello, you lovely people. How are you doing? Oh, I've missed you. Can I say that? Well, I just did. I hope you don't mind. But look, I'm going to be really honest. I was going to leave you until September when series three will begin. But do you know what? I couldn't keep away from you all the conversations with these incredible people who inspire me so much. And I hope they do you too. So this is what I thought. A summer sizzler mini series. Three conversations which will land with you over August, hopefully as you have some nice time off. Time to think, time to ponder as you walk along that beach or just get some nice fresh air. Often this time off is when we think about what we want and don't want. So I thought these conversations may just help in some way or at least will keep you company. I mean, what an honour for me. Right then, Summer Sizzler, episode one. Let me introduce you to Anna Clements. Now, the moment I met Anna, I knew I had to bring her story to you. Anna trained as a commercial lawyer, but when she had her two children and she knew this life wasn't for her, she did it. She started a business out of her passion. Now, Anna's passion is interiors. She gave herself a budget and two years to see where this would take her. And my goodness, it has taken her to exactly where she wants to be. She now has her own thriving business in Bristol. Her shop, Mon Pot, is a hub in the community and she and her staff have an enormous following. Most importantly, every day, Anna is doing something she loves, which suits her and her family. I found our conversation so inspiring and I'm still in awe of Anna's courage. Honestly, I think she's amazing. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak to some incredible people who have already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Anna Clements. Anna Clements, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. Thank you so much for joining me. Very good to be here. Now, Anna, I told, actually, I don't always do this, but I told a couple of people that you were coming on to the podcast, or more than a couple, and everyone was very excited who I told about your story because I think it really uh, resonates. So thank you so much for sharing it with me. I do so appreciate it. Um, I know you've got lots on, so let's get straight in there. So we start as ever with the prologue. Now, you grew up in Cardiff, and you said you went to a nice school, you had nice friends, you know, it was all pretty, pretty standard stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't say that there was anything particularly unusual about my upbringing or, um, you know, my sort of uh, friends and where I lived. It was all very kind of ordinary, which is, I think, in life, something that is actually something that you probably want to be, you know, yeah. somewhere in the middle. So, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And and you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I've got an older brother. Okay, okay. So, and you said at school you weren't particularly motivated, but um, you kind of, you, you did well in exams. Yes, um, I seem to manage to pull it out of the bag um, when I needed to. So my mum sort of keeps everything, um, school reports from 1993 and all this sort of thing. Um, and I saw one of those recently and I was horrified. <laughs> by you know the comments and the grades I thought oh my god why were they good or bad no no not good at all like very very average and below average and lots of doesn't make an effort kind of stuff um and I think of myself as a pretty hard worker these days so to see that you know my younger self was or to be reminded of it I should say was um 
interesting um but yeah I think I just I don't know nothing particularly grabbed me at school I think that's not unusual for a lot of people you know we all go through it and we all sort of there might be the odd subject that you're more interested in but um a lot of people come out of school thinking I still have no idea what I want to do Mm. and I think I was one of those people Mm. really it's interesting because this comes up uh quite a lot in this podcast this part of it at the beginning where um and again like you know you have children and there's so much I know yours are slightly younger I think than, than mine but you know there is so much we a lot of talk about schools and and um exams and results and that kind of thing but it does just goes to show doesn't it because I've met you and I know how hard working you are in your shop but it goes to show who you are at school doesn't necessarily mean to be this is who you're going to be forever that's absolutely true and I think in terms of academic success you know I had a previous career um where I needed degree and I needed good grades to get that degree and I needed sort of continuous professional development so I undertook a master's at some point um whereas the job I do now doesn't require any qualifications at all um and I like it so much more than I like my previous job so I just think you've got to get those GCSEs and you've got to get those A-levels um especially if you want vocational qualifications but you know I always think don't worry too much about pushing yourself and the stress and you know academics per se aren't necessarily that valuable in the outside world depending on what you want to do unless you want to go into being an academic or something Mm -hmm, absolutely because well so because you you say you 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 drifted I mean you you did at the time you said you did that quite like the idea about a makeup artist or an interior designer but really what happened was you went into law yeah it's quite different definitely <laughs> and I think I was quite sort of I guess back in the 90s I mean I remember our sort of careers advice and I'm not blaming anyone for my path I don't think you can do that because ultimately the choices that you made were your own um but it was very limited careers advice um you know, it was all very sort of traditional things like teacher, accountant, lawyer kind of thing. And I think my parents are quite traditional in their views of what a job is. Um, so I kind of ultimately was swayed into more secure kind of avenues rather than things that, you know, my parents were like, is that really a job kind of thing? <laughs> Can that support you financially? <laughs> Um, so I just went down a very sort of traditional route in the end, thinking this will be a good grounding for probably lots of other things. And then the further and further I got into it, the more set into that route I became and ultimately did qualify as a solicitor and pursued that career for a number of years. Mm. Because also, I think, I suppose things are changing with our, our parents. It was to have a career as such and to have a I know sort of my dad was very much like this to actually if you have a profession that's how it was seen wasn't it that you should have a profession um and I suppose we'll perhaps be different with our own children because and also the world's changed such a, a lot since then as well it was just kind of that was the men- mentality a lot more so definitely so, so you then so you went to, so you went to obviously you did a law degree and at this stage though were you even thinking you wanted to be a lawyer that sounds silly but when you did your law degree because you said you kind of just ended up getting caught along in it did you did you want to be a lawyer at that stage um so well I was doing the degree obviously and what happens when you're um as I said I was reasonably good at exams so 
I did get some decent A-levels and I went to a decent university. And what happens um, when you're in your undergraduate studies is that law firms will target you um, to recruit you for the future. So in your second year of university, you're taken out for dinner a lot by big London firms and, you know, they send their trainees down who kind of wine and dine you and tell you how great it is. Um, And then you're sort of expected to apply for their vacation placements and their training um, recruitment schemes. And so I kind of just ended up, you know, enjoying the meals and the... (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) And then thinking, oh, yeah. And the next thing from that was the VAC schemes and the training contracts. And so I just sort of ended up, you know floating down that path I guess yeah I can see how you did because obviously I I worked in television and I sort of started out as a runner and honestly nobody was ever going to come and take me out for dinner so (laughs) I think if someone did I'd I'd definitely take the job where where did you go to university Anna at Manchester okay oh so did you enjoy it there is it a good university oh I love yeah it's amazing it's a fantastic university and a brilliant city Mm. Um, and I think it's even better now than when I was there but yeah I had a great time at university um managed to graduate despite pretty good social life and get a decent grade as well so and all of that I guess fed into the next stage which is now I've got to get a job don't know what to do so I'll just do the thing that I'm only thing I'm qualified really to do yeah yeah so that neatly takes us into then your your first chapter so yes you you worked at a commercial law firm so you went into commercial law and was this then based in London Anna? So I actually trained in Bristol for a commercial firm in Bristol Um, and then I left there. I had my first baby when I worked there and this is sort of back in 2012-ish. I left because even, you know, it wasn't that long ago but it did feel very much like there was conversation among the partners as you're too, they were surprised at, a female solicitor of my age you know having a baby at that time most female solicitors just didn't have families um and there was also sort of implication that that meant that I wasn't serious about my career and so there was sort of you know trying to go part-time was quite difficult um trying to sort of move on as well in within that sort of uh, mindset was quite difficult so I thought I'd have a clean break from that firm and move to a Bristol office of a London firm. Um, but found it exactly the same in terms of the mentality and the work-life balance was much worse. So after I went on my second maternity leave, I just thought I can't go back to that if I'm ever really going to see my children. Oh my God. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, before we get into that, so just going back then, so <laughs> so you... you um, when you left Manchester, did you? So you went straight into commercial law. Then, so had you? Did you only? Is that right? You all only worked in commercial law. That's that, right. Yeah, and yeah. so and did you enjoy that? Um, at the first firm, I did quite like it because it was, the Bristol firm was a small, much smaller firm than the London one. So we had a fair amount of owner-managed businesses. So we'd have sort of smaller software you know, boutique software companies and things like that where a junior fee could take the lead and, um, you know, really become quite close to these people and become a really trusted advisor. But one of the things I really liked about that was seeing how they ran their businesses. 
And I think that's one of the things that made me think, I don't want to be advising your business. I want to be running my own business like you're doing. Mm-hmm. So that was um, quite interesting. Mm. Um, but it, it teaches yeah. you a lot. And so, I mean, but that attitude, I mean, uh, you know, about the, you know, not being able to work part time or the fact that they were just so shocked that dare you even have a baby. I mean, that's oh, yeah. just, it, I, it's still, I do hear these stories, but it's just still, for me, it just seems so staggering because they're surely losing such amazing talent because of this. I think so. And my opinion is that, um, you know, from the way I used to work after I went back after my first child was that I worked harder than ever, mm. you know, and I did go back four days, which was deemed to be part time. Um, but you don't see because we did billable hours, but you don't see a reduction in things like your non-chargeable time. Mm. So you're supposed to do your sort of seven hours of chargeable time a day, which mm. means <laughs> you Sounds know, a lot no, of work. No, no <laughs> no socializing um and then you have some non-chargeable work to do on top of that but that didn't get reduced mm. you know so then you're trying to find it's not actually um possible to fit what you had to do within the hours that you were paid to do it basically no, of course and also just for you know your, your mind the fact a you're leaving your baby you've got a baby at home you know you're exhausted because you're not sleeping well through the nights then you have to work like that get back pick your baby up from nursery or whatever I mean it's just such yeah. a crazy way to be living isn't it yeah yeah for sure and on your day off and this wasn't so much in the Bristol firm but more in the London firm you know you were given your Blackberry and your iPad the first day and then the day that it was supposed to be your day off, which you weren't being paid for, which you were doing childcare. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like sat at home. You know, I remember being at like Windmill Hill City Farm and my boss calling me and saying, can you send these documents over to me? Mm. And you think, how? Yeah, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm in a farm. I'm on the farm. Yeah, I've got to go home, sit down, find everything. And that attitude was just like, you have to do it now. Mm-hmm. I know. I know no. it's just oh I and I could go on about it all day but yeah. and I get all ranty so probably that's not the aim of the podcast. No, it's no, but then all the partners have got their wives at home mm. full time, so mm. they just completely don't understand, you know, know. that you are the female I, with the kids. Yeah, and of course I don't know these partners and don't know these people, but it does make you wonder because I think everyone and obviously we're going to come on to it more with what you're doing, but you get so much satisfaction out of what you do and whoever mm. you are that you it is good to do something that you feel very satisfied doing so not saying those wives don't feel satisfied just being at home but if they they haven't if they want to do something as well you know it 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 surely helps everyone if they've got sort of a bit more understanding to kind of how life works a little bit more but Again, I'm going to start becoming all preachy yeah. with that. So I'm not going to get, I, I carry on there. Episode, couldn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so that, so all the time then, so you'd ha- by this stage you have your, your, had your second baby and all the time mm-hmm. though, you, you still had your interest in interiors and you used to look at Pinterest or, but did you, that was something you, did you like doing your own interiors? You just, you just really loved that side of life. Yeah, I think that was, um, cause the commercial, uh, law that I was practicing was very, dry um not very creative and uh, I think I mean lots of people do this don't they they sort of have their home as their creative outlet so I'm not saying you know that I was any better or more spectacular than anyone else but I fell within you know that sort of set of people who needs to have something to you know put their ideas onto and maybe to to create something and for me that was 
my home and my the sort of interior design of my home at the time mm. um and I guess I thought is it possible for me to make this into something that I could you know spending quite a lot of time on it mm-hmm. <laughs> um and also working very hard and what I wanted to do is work very hard at the thing that I actually enjoyed rather than the thing that I really didn't like very much at all mm-hmm. amazing so, I mean it's such a simple concept but it's just so true and life-changing as well so so you um when you were on your maternity leave say and as you say like obviously you, were, you had your hands full you were really busy um but you didn't you didn't want to go back to the law at that stage I didn't think I wouldn't go back I definitely um took my maternity leave and I I did quit the firm that I was with um but it wasn't my intention that I would leave the law forever like I didn't know at that time what would happen so I was going to give myself a couple of years um maybe just to be at home with the kids maybe to explore other avenues just to see what happened really so I didn't put myself under any pressure um and I knew that at the end of the two years if I hadn't found anything else I would go back to you know Mm. maybe fearing or finding something in-house or something within a, a different role within the law that you know I could have maybe done a bit more part-time but at, at that time I didn't know you know mm. that I, I, I was going to definitely set up a business and definitely do x y and z so I did leave it very sort of open okay and obviously myself. I should probably bring here so you you obviously you have a partner so you'd met at this stage so <laughs> and that because we talk again um about this quite a lot on the podcast it does help obviously he was very supportive of you doing that it does help yeah, when you have that so absolutely and we we're quite lucky I guess because he had so I when I went back to work after our first kitty um he was setting up his own business at that time so I went back to work, paid all the bills, <laughs> and he kind of did his own thing of not having any financial stress. Um, so after we had our second Rafferty, I said, right, this is my turn. <laughs> you have to do what I did and, uh, you know, give it a couple of years and see how it goes. Yeah, but he so must have a, understood what you were trying to do then, I suppose. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And he was quite happy you know for us to you know make that agreement and for me to have my opportunity to to try and do something that I wanted to do mm. um but yeah I still sort of did more of the <laughs> this is he'll be really cross but he's much better at now but at that time I was still doing a lot more of the childcare and house stuff than he did when he was setting up his business well we? sometimes these ha- these things yeah, happen but, don't yeah, they we've eased into everything now it's all fine <laughs> what, what's his business uh he's an insurance broker right okay wow okay so um so you were there so you so you gave yourself in your mind two years as such yeah and you were like so, so you knew that you loved the in- interiors and you knew you like spending time sort of looking at it inter- and learning about them. And But did you have any idea at that stage what you actually wanted to do when it came to interiors? You just knew that that was the subject and the area that you liked? Yeah, I mean, I think I looked at things like, should I t- train to be an interior designer? Should I kind of go down a sort of more professional route? And what I didn't really want to do you know, having done so much training and so many professional qualifications already for a career that I then didn't want to pursue, um, I kind of wanted to get into something a bit more easily. So I've always 
you know, loved retail, <laughs> had lots of sort of retail jobs as a, you know, student and um, including in an independent boutique in Cardiff, um, which I really loved. And so I kind of thought, well, I kind of know how to run a shop and it's a bit easier. So we'll sort of buy a certain amount of stock. We can set up a website and then I can kind of see if I can make it work. Amazing. So Lich, so you're at, you're at home and you, so the first thing you actually did was you set up your own website, did you? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was just having, you know, a certain amount of money to buy stock, only a couple of thousand pounds or something, um, trying to find some suppliers, trying to pull together a, a collection. Obviously there's lots of online um, interiors stores and the thing that you want to do obviously is trying to make yours unique you know Mm. so pulling together a small collection which I thought would work and then um photographing everything you know presenting lifestyle images so that people could see how things would work in their own homes um and then kind of trying to learn SEO and digital marketing (laughs) and and all the other things that you need to try and get your website at the google rankings and and so like what you've just said there I think it I mean I actually think it's amazing Anna I really do because I think what you did is what so many people think about doing and and they just are very frightened to do it because you know they do have a real passion and a real love for something um and but it's like oh like you say what you kind of you have to be an interior designer or you might have to be a you know a, a, a costume designer or you know sort of very very specific things so so but you actually sort of just kind of went for it but and also the fact that like you say you how do you stand out because I suppose that one of the biggest fears is well what what makes you any different like me with my books it's like why should I think I can write a book and who wants to read my books so what did you think when you were bringing those that those very first that very those very first moments did you just trust that you had something different to bring just because you're different you know you're Anna yeah I mean I think I didn't overthink it too much so I didn't sort of beat myself up too much about you know am I as good as that established website or that established company I just kind of tried to focus on the fact that you know it was very new um it was all very trial and error and that you can't I mean I guess it's something that I'd always do in my previous career is if I didn't know how I was going to draft something for example I just put it and maybe you do this with your book you just have to put it down on paper Mm. and work with what you've got you know and I think I did that with my collection I kind of I didn't know anything would work or wouldn't work I knew that I didn't have kind of particularly sort of professional experience but I think yeah I didn't overthink it too much I just thought right we'll have a go yeah (laughs) we won't go too deep into anything so I'll buy sort of three or four of something if it doesn't work out then Christmas presents yeah (laughs) nice Christmas presents (laughs) um and just went from there really yeah and did you did you have a theme at all and did you have certain brands that you wanted to go to did you have an idea what you wanted yeah I mean I think um it's it's a bit sort of fashionable I guess but um most of the things that I did choose were from Danish homeware brands Mm. and I didn't set out to be a Scandinavian homeware store and over the last sort of 10 years you know Scandinavian interiors have become very fashionable in the UK um and that I think is because the Danish 
do it so well and they also have a number of really really good um, interior design companies who produce fantastic ranges every year that lots of UK buyers go and buy from and we don't have anything like that in the UK like the French don't have it the Germans don't have it the Danes do have this huge range of you know businesses that can supply your business basically so it's not necessarily because it's Danish it's just that it's accessible they're good to work with um so yeah I mean and I think that made it maybe a bit more cohesive because mm-hmm. there's a certain sort of style there um but I always like to pick elements that are fun and colorful as well as you know you've got some very sort of safe staple neutrals and things for homeware that you know people will always buy and they'll always rely on and they're always really lovely and um, great quality and well designed but I think it's just having those sort of additional fun aspects that people really like Mm -hmm. and I suppose if you trust your own instinct because then only you will buy what you will buy as such so you're already making it unique your collection by doing what you like and such yeah hopefully I mean it shouldn't look like anyone else's obviously we cross over with certain brands with other stores um but you know hopefully it will always look unique to us because of what I choose mm-hmm. so so at this stage so you were basically sort of in your bedroom or wherever with the baby with the babies with the babies I can picture it now with boxes um and uh, was it at this stage I remember you telling me that you went because we live we both live in Bristol um mm. and you went to the tobacco factory was it it was a Sunday market um, that's right and yeah. and so at what stage did you at what stage were you when you did this did you were you building up a little bit of a following on social media or with your websites or yeah. when did you do that yeah so we, I started off um I mean I think part of the success of um my business has been the timing of it um so Instagram had been established for a few years by the time you know I started my website in 2015 um and that obviously is a massive free marketing tool very visual more visual than anything that we've ever had um and so you know you didn't have to spend money on advertising you can just use tools like social media and if you haven't got cash to invest in um marketing you know you just use your time which is free to try and build your following on platforms like instagram Mm um but you know for for me that happened fairly slowly I would definitely say um plugging away at it but also not wanting to spend hours and hours um you know sat on social media as well because I always feel a bit guilty about doing stuff like that even if it's for work um and then trying to get your website up your google rankings is also really difficult especially for an interiors uh, website because you know if you put something like homeware into google which is obviously quite a generic search you'll hit tesco's marks and spencer's john lewis you know getting their ranking up the search engine and it's not something that you can really compete with Mm. so although we were seeing some sales online um i just wanted to get out and be more face-to-face and even if my time at the sort of tobacco factory market had only been meeting people and doing some publicity then I kind of felt that was time well spent, mm. you know, mm. on marketing. Mm. Um, and then any sales that were made there, 
were kind of a bonus. Mm-hmm. So that's how I set out when I sort of started doing the markets. But I mean, they were always pretty good in terms of sales in the end anyway. So they were always sort of worth doing. And it meant that we could I could turn over my stock a bit more quickly. Um, so bring in new product ranges more quickly. And um, it also meant that I could see what people were buying. Mm. So when I, I was saying to one of my staff this morning that the Bristol posted a big article on the website when it was quite early on and the headline that they used were was um if I wouldn't buy it for my own home I wouldn't stock it and now I look back at that and I just think god how arrogant <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds quite good actually well I mean I totally believed it at the time but at the same time like you have to know your customers mm. and they're they're the important ones not you you know it's what they want and what they the price that they want to pay the kind of you know products that they're looking for that you need to be able to give them um and I think doing the sort of face-to-face markets is what made me really learn Mm. what people were looking for and did you find um when you did that did you find that people were very encouraging because I think that's one of the things you that holds people back is that you think oh you know people it might be rude or you know kind of who do you think you are that kind of thing but actually when you're there sitting at your stool on a a lovely Sunday morning and these people are just lovely you know did you find that that was very encouraging definitely um and then you can really talk to people as well um and you know see their reaction which you can't do if you're only online Mm. Mm. Um, so I found that really helpful and really important and it was that that made me think I don't like having a website I want to have a shop Mm. Mm. so that I can probably meet people and you know that is actually really a joyful part of this job is not just the product but the customer Mm. before we get into that can I just ask you Anna because it fascinates me because you you're I mean you've done really well with the Instagram and I've seen sort of like how you built up a, a great a great following and you say it took time did you again was that something that you kind of just taught yourself or you found your own way or you know because I say that I'm asking for my myself here because I'm terrible at it <laughs> and, um, and it's how yeah. you get your head around it really yeah it's completely organic for me um I mean over the we've become a bit more sophisticated now we're a bigger team and you know I have a full-time marketing assistant these days um so we do sort of maybe twice a month we'll do a post boost which is like a paid um boost but the majority of especially in the early years um it was just plugging away at it trying to post um usually once a day because obviously you don't want to sort of spam people as well um and just trying to make sure that the content was as nice and as engaging as possible Mm -hmm. um I mean there's one thing I suppose I could have done which is um quite a lot of small businesses will blend their sort of home life with their business so there are if you look back into you know our sort of 2015 2016 posts there are sort of bits of my kids popping out and you know stuff like that but ultimately that didn't work for me Mm. you know I didn't want my home to have to be on show all the time I didn't want my kids like constantly being dressed and told what to do and you know I just wanted them to be not involved in it Mm. and I also felt like I'd given up (laughs) to my business I'd given up to my customers of myself Um, and my privacy is really important to me I think Um, so that's something that 
for me it didn't work but I see lots of businesses doing it very successfully mm. I suppose as well because it seems to that your how it's built go into about how you got your shop but it's sort of very real and very honest based around you and you know sometimes if you it can and again it works two two different ways doesn't it because we all love seeing these lovely pictures but sometimes that can feel a little bit fake as such because we all know life isn't always like that and I well I I, perhaps it's just me but you know when I've got two children I would definitely have had boxes and and all sorts everywhere but it's it's not being that as authentic as perhaps you would like your business your business to be yeah so so you so then so I mean it's amazing so then you opened your first shop in Bedminster which is a, a little part of um Bristol so when you did that I mean did you ever really imagine you ever would do that I think uh well not when I was sort of at home uh when did I so I think we I started the website in early 2015 and by November 2015 I put in the offer on the shop that I wanted wow. to rent so um, I was quite lucky because there was this lovely unit that had been empty for about 10 years, I think. Um, so it had been part of um, a catering hire business that he sort of left a long time ago. Um, so it had never been like a customer-facing shop, but it had this lovely storefront, um, very run down, and I always thought I'd love that as my shop. Yeah. <laughs> a little project. <laughs> Yeah, so the lady who owned it actually did some renovation work on it and turned it into this, you know, actually a viable shop and then put a sign up saying, does anyone want to rent it? And I just thought, I'm going to go for it. Good for you, amazing. Um, And it was, because I've been to your now shop, but so it was was just, it was very small, was it? That you could just have some products in there and it was mainly kind of you in there with talking to people. Exactly. So at first, um, I mean, I, I had the kids at home, so I had to have somebody helping me out from day one. So I think we, the first, uh, my friend who had loads of retail experience came to help me. So she worked a couple of days and I worked a couple of days. And then we did alternate Saturdays and then we closed on Sunday and Monday. Mm-hmm. Um but quite early on, I sort of realised that we had to open on Sunday because I'd sort of come up to North Street, you know, just with my family for lunch or something. And there'd be people pressed up against the window. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, right, we have to find someone to run the shop on a Sunday. So um, got someone else to do that for me. Um, but, yeah, it was always just one member of staff and whatever customers came in and, our bits and pieces so mm-hmm. yeah and your stock did you also still have presumably you didn't have lots of space for lots of stock did you so did you kind of was it still as such a it was still very much a online shop as well um I mean the shop and the, so the shop immediately outstripped the website in terms of customers and demand wow. um but yeah we had no I had no storage space there was a small sort of shop floor area a, a loo um a tiny little corridor and a sink area and that was that was it mm-hmm. so um when I did the fit out I incorporated lots of cupboards to kind of store things in but I wasn't able to keep you know the sort of quantity of stock that I needed to restock myself as it were because mm-hmm. every time you empty a shelf you can't rely on someone sending you a load of stock in time to fill it up again you need to have that on hand to do it yourself but I mean what an amazing thing because then you so you'd 
from where you'd come from so being in law like what you said those four days and cramming it all in and getting called on your day off and that kind of thing you then had all basically designed a, a life for you presumably that you were able to have earn a little bit of money that you then were able to have staff as well but you this then was also fitting in all around you and your family as well so it was growing in such a great way yeah and uh, that's all I really intended it to be was something that I could do around the kids and get a bit of pocket money from so that I wasn't relying on Matt to you know fund my shopping habits um yeah and just support the family a little bit as well and contribute but I never expected it to be any more than you know what it was then Mm. so but it is though hasn't it so moving sort of through this we're still sort of in the same chapter but it's it's I mean it's the place that I've visited I mean it's incredible it's it's what's it five times the size of that of your first one and it's a real um I mean it's it's gorgeous it is it really is but it's a it's more of a place you come and visit as well isn't it it's more than a shop it's got a real feel that you're you're stepping into a into a world of some kind oh well I mean I I guess I don't feel that because I step into it every day so um I think I'm probably a bit desensitized to it in that way but we do get loads of lovely comments from the customers and um like you said there's a lot of people who visit us not just from the local area but from all over bristol and further afield um so yeah and just it's funny because moving well i don't know 10 doors down the road into the sort of slightly busier part of the street um has meant that we're meeting people who i was chatting to someone the other day and she said well, I used to walk past the other shop, but I never came in because I just felt a bit nervous about going into such a small shop. I think, you know, if there's somebody in there who's working there and you, it's really small space, you kind of feel like, if I don't like it, how am I going to leave? <laughs> yeah, do I have to buy something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's just leave it. Um, and then we get other people who say, I never even knew you were there, yeah, you know, amazing. and they've lived in the area for years and years because they maybe don't walk down the street that far or or whatever so and so from going back to when you started on your stall um and that's sort of in the same area and and where you live in Bristol it is got a real community feel to it so do you feel like your community has got bigger as your stores got as your business has got bigger uh, oh absolutely yeah we're meeting so many different people now um as the business has grown um and i think that's partly because we're more present in the new location um but also because you can carry a much wider range of stock and hopefully that will appeal to a broader audience as well mm-hmm. and how many people do you have working for you now Anna um so at the moment we've got three full-time staff and three part-time staff okay. and then myself and obviously we obviously should point out that you made that move in lockdown which given the all what we hear about high streets it was lovely and in fact that's how we met when um, I was doing a piece about businesses that were doing okay or thriving really in lockdown but yours yours have so that must give you some confidence as well now as and now you can really sort of carry on in the way that you wanted it to carry on. Yes um, it was a tricky um, few months I guess the lockdown was difficult but it also kind of helped us in a way because it meant that um we had some work well quite a lot of work to do on the new premises and most of that got done in the second and third lockdown 
so we didn't have to sort of close <laughs> to do the work we were closed anyway there you go <laughs> you know if we look at it in that positive way <laughs> yeah that is very been very positive it's good <laughs> um but yeah I mean it's it is nice that hopefully all of that is over but even if it's not and even if we do have to go back into any other sort of restrictions then we've we've done the hard part and we're all set up um I feel like the staff you know they've had since April to get used to everything they know their roles they're very comfortable I think we've grown as a team in strength and confidence so anything that I've said to them all if anything happens again in terms of lockdowns I'm going on furlough (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 because and you were doing click and collect and so you did get quite the system going didn't you yeah absolutely um I mean we didn't need the same amount of staff but obviously there was support from the government for the staff that we um didn't need at that time and um we were able to keep our online you know going we could do collections from the door and we could do our normal shipping so we just kept plugging away basically mm, no it's amazing and so mo- so moving on then that takes us nicely on to to be continued what would you like to happen next you talk about maybe you'd like to do some workshops and sort of make it even a bigger part of, of the area yeah um there's a few things that i really like to do one of them is um maybe to have a studio space that um we do the interior design for and then we use it for our own photo shoots but we can hire it out for you know other people to use for their own their photo shoots too so I'd really like to do that and just sort of move away just from retail um so like you said into some community-based workshops where maybe I mean I spoke to the Prince's Trust way before lockdown about sort of getting together with them and maybe some of my sort of friends from the legal profession to help um, people who are setting up their businesses sort of be aware of you know the sort of regulations that they need to know about um, sort of setting up a website you know dealing with staff if you're going to take a lease of a premises that kind of thing so I'd like to run some workshops that help other people start their businesses mm. um, so sort of feedback to the wider community um, and then I think we'd like to do some more creative workshops as well um so maybe bring in some of our candle makers to teach people how to make their own candles at home um but there's loads of scope um Mm. but it'd be nice not to just do selling you know Mm, mm. do you but you enjoy the selling side of it as well don't you um yeah I think I love the product range I love the sort of reaction of the customers when they come in and um how excited they are to see what we stock um but I'm very conscious of obviously of the sort of world we live in at the moment where you know consumerism we have to be careful of what we're buying um and you know I just like to have another element to the business as well as getting people to buy stuff Mm -hmm. you know as much as we try to be sustainable as possible and pick suppliers who are on the right side of the United Nations you know humanitarian and environmental codes um there's a lot more to do I think Mm, no I can understand that do you do you think sort of going back and it's always interesting um so I've done a a few of these interviews now and how like your first chapter sometimes you think it's so different but sort of talking to you do you think your commercial law beginnings which must seem a million years ago do you think it has helped you in in some ways when you're dealing like now with your shop and like you say that you can pass on some knowledge do you 
do you think it it it, do, it has helped you with your next chapter oh absolutely yeah I think um in so many ways so kind of from meeting you know the owners of small businesses in my previous role um that was sort of fundamental to getting here to kind of knowing how to set up my website put together t's and c's you know i i've always done my own work on leases so for my first shop and the current one you know i didn't instruct a solicitor to deal with the leases um quite a lot of the employment i do need a hand with the employment stuff but i've got a friend who can help me with it you know where where i've got some knowledge gaps um so yeah and i just think confidence in knowing that i know a lot of it but also how to find out what i don't know Mm. um so what can be quite a scary side of a business doesn't phase me as much as it might somebody else it goes to show isn't it that nothing is ever wasted even if you end up doing something completely different to the beginning you you can sort of it ties in somehow doesn't it oh definitely I just think no regrets you know Mm. so Mm. whatever decision you made in your life that was right for you at the time Mm. and even if it wasn't completely right maybe you could have made a different one it's probably given you something to go on for the future so no I I agree so moving on to your acknowledgements Anna who would you like to thank (laughs) (laughs) is there anyone you want to thank I mean you can say no (laughs) I mean I have done a good bit of this on my own I've got to say I I know yeah Um, I'm sure you have (laughs) well Matt is always brilliant he's my other half he's always stepping in to look after the kids if I say oh actually somebody's called in sick on Saturday so it's you taking the kids to the zoo um he's always great at stuff like that um he's always handy if I need him with the drill to pop in and do bits and pieces although I'm also you know pretty good at that myself very good very good um but yeah I mean my friend Claire who was my first member of staff um she was a fashion buyer and then has lots of retail experience but she was just so good at talking everything through with me and just um you know giving me ideas and confidence and she's always been a a lovely sort of cheerleader so definitely Claire Mm. um and then everyone who's worked with me and especially the current team now I think Mm. it's a lovely team in the shop when I came it was it was really lovely so I mean so Anna basically you have done something that so many people think as I said earlier so many people think of doing but never do but you, you're proof, really, aren't you? You don't have to have gone to interior design school or you don't have to have done five years in Milan and all these kind of things that we kind of, that I suppose, are barriers we think we have to do before we actually do it. But you basically turned a passion into your living, haven't you? So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, God, yeah, you know, because that's my passion and I do really enjoy that. And like what you say, if I can use my work to make a living out of my passion, well, that's... I mean, that's just amazing. And you've done this. What would you say to somebody who is thinking about it, who's just keeps thinking, do you know what? I know I really want to do something else. It's not this, but I just don't know where to begin. I don't feel brave enough. What would you say to them? Well, you have to just find it in yourself to, you know, make that first step. And if you are really scared, I think the best thing, or what I did was just to think, okay, what is the risk? What's the worst that could happen? And to me, that was, you know, nobody will come to the shop and nobody will buy anything. And I'll be sat 
there for a year <laughs> you know with a year's rent to pay yeah, but with a nice interior though <laughs> and um no income <laughs> so it's like okay what what's that going to cost me and can I afford to kind of lose that or can I afford to pay it back if I borrow it so you know try and ring fence the worst case scenario if you can and if you can't then you know maybe reduce the amount you're putting in but add your own time into it so that you can cover some of the things that might cost you money by doing it yourself um and then give yourself like a time scale maybe to say I'm gonna see how it goes for this amount of time but you just have to make that first step um and if there's a way of allaying your fears like you know putting some money aside or something like that then that's one way of reducing the risk Mm. um but yeah I think it just has to come from from you in the end doesn't it and try not to worry what people are thinking about you it doesn't matter no well it's so true because if you I suppose and again because you're such a living example if you imagine now if there were like two Annas and there was an Anna who after you know after your second baby you did go back to the law and you stayed working in that and you were living still that life you know the four days and cramming it all in compare it to this Anna who's got this amazing business and doing everything you love it must kind of fill you with fear and the thought that you if you it's sort of more scary to think about not having done it than actually doing it yeah I mean I never dwell on that it never even occurs to me I think you know you live the life that you're living don't you and and actually if you sort of go down that avenue then anything could have happened yeah (laughs) yeah, you're right um so yeah I think don't look back and just only look forward Anna Clements thank you so much for being such an amazing guest on the next chapter Thank you. It's nice to see you, Ellie. So there you are. What did you think of that? My goodness. What really struck me is when Anna said she wanted to work really hard at something she enjoyed rather than something she didn't like much at all. I mean, it's so simple, isn't it? But sometimes so daunting to do. But Anna just did it. You can find all of Anna's details in the show notes. And believe me, it's worth a look. Her shop is amazing. I I mean, I would say that, but really it is. But just remember what she said. Try not to worry about what people are thinking of you. You just have to make that first step. I'm with you and I know Anna is too. So come on, what are you waiting for? Now, you can find out about my next chapter at elliebarkerwrites.com. My second book is out in the world now and Anna's words have really helped me in my wobbles. You're listening to the next chapter by Ellie Barker, a flower pot production. I'll be back with my second summer sizzler next week. But in the meantime, keep thinking, keep being honest. Go on, make that first step. You can do it. Speak soon. <laughs>